You know, I'm really excited for uh, next Sunday. Um, I don't know if everybody caught that uh, during our welcome and announcement time, but uh, just here among us, we'll be celebrating next week uh, Royal and Melinda's 20th wedding anniversary. So that'll be fun. They'll do a, a reaffirmation of vows, and we'll, we'll do that right after service. One of the cool things about uh, GRX is that, you know, there are some people that are in our church, they're not even 20 years old. And here we've got this couple that uh, is, is there. They're a beautiful couple, a lot of uh, goodness in their uh, couple. Uh, you know, one of the things I've loved getting to know Royal in the, um, in this, in the men's group as well, but knowing that they're married uh, 20 years uh, reminds me of this guy that um, uh, they were actually coming up on their 50th wedding anniversary. And um, so, uh, you know, so the guy was asked, what, uh, wow, wow, almost 50 years. Uh, You know, what's the secret to uh, really a a good marriage that lasts 50 years? And he said, well, um, at my 25th anniversary, uh, I took my wife to Hawaii. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And they asked him, well, what are you going to do on your 50th? He said, I'm going to go pick her up. (laughs) I don't think Roland and Melinda have any plans to go to Hawaii anytime soon. But what I do see in their marriage and what I've seen, uh, even, even connecting with them more and more, is there's a deep sense of goodness in their marriage. It's not that it's been completely smooth sailing, it's not that they've never had conflict or they never had arguments, but like people, real people, real humans, um, there's real goodness in their relationship, and that's lived out. And that today is the topic. Goodness is the topic for today's best practice. If you've been in and out for the summer, um, or maybe you're just visiting with us, and this is your first Sunday. What we've been doing for this whole summer has been looking at this series called Best Practice. What is the best practice for your life to live successfully? What is your best practice in your life to live with wholeness, to live with contentment, to live with goodness and peace in your whole life? So every week we've been looking at a different topic. One week we looked at patience, one week we looked at joy, and this week, this morning, we're going to look at the topic of goodness. How does living in goodness create uh, joy? How does it create wholeness? How does that create a fulfilled and successful life? Let me begin with this. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, says this. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil means flee from what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. This idea of holding fast to what is good is the place where I'm going to begin looking at what is goodness. That to be good means that we actually need to be intentional about being good. We need to actually be active about choosing goodness. Here the Apostle Paul, when he writes, abhor what is evil, like shun what is evil, flee from what is evil, and hold fast 
to what is good. It means that you just can't be passive in your life about being good. You can't just be floating through culture and floating through your life, floating through relationships, and just go, well, I don't know, just good will just happen. Good is just going to flow out of me. We need to hold fast. Think of it a little bit like this, and I, I like this idea of holding fast. Out in the Pacific Ocean, there's this giant kelp. And if you've ever seen and gone down to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, you've seen that in one of their tanks they've had, it's one of their signature tanks, they've got this giant kelp forest. And when you watch the kelp, they've got the water and the waves pushing this kelp back and forth, back and forth. And the kelp is anchored. The kelp is anchored to the rock, and that's what helps it survive, because it's anchored. Now, this kelp can be tens of feet tall, 30 feet, 40 feet, 50 feet, and all the way up, reaching up to the sunlight. But all the way down, it's anchored. And what, it's, what is anchoring the kelp is something called the holdfast. It's the holdfast of the kelp that holds it to the rock and anchors it so that it can grow. If the kelp ever breaks off because of the ocean's currents, it's just going to float off. It's going to float off. And it's not going to survive. And that's like us with our lives. If you're just kind of floating through life and you're not holding fast to anything, you're going to break off. And your life is going to be dissipated. And you're not going to have any anchor. And you're not going to have any orientation. And you'll just float around. But here, the Apostle Paul says, hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to goodness. A good term that we use a lot, we kind of throw it out. It's even kind of casual. See if you've heard these terms before. This is a way that we use good in common speech. Hey, good job. And it means something well done. Or you go, hey, that's, that's, he's a good kid. Meaning he's kind of obedient. He listens. He's honest. You ever hear this? It's like, oh, that's a good guy. He's a really good guy. You know, it just means that he's kind of he's he's a nice guy. That's a good car. That's trustworthy. Hey, good luck. It's kind of a blessing. Um, you can even use good luck in kind of a sarcastic way. If someone's going to try to do something and you're like, oh, that's, that's not going to work. But they're really convinced on, they're going to they're gonna really try to do it. And you're just like, want to be sarcastic with them? You can go, all right, well, uh, hey, uh, you want to do that? Uh, that's not going to work, but uh, hey, good luck with that. Have a nice time. Have a good time with that. But goodness, besides just all these casual terms, goodness is actually a practice. Goodness is actually a practice. It's a way of life that leads to contentment. If you practice goodness in your life, it will lead to fulfillment you will feel fulfilled when you pursue goodness. And why is that? Because goodness at its core is being a blessing to others. Goodness, and when you pursue goodness in your life, it actually means that you are pursuing an intentional kind of way. You're anchoring yourself into the blessing of someone else. 
Ephesians chapter 5 gives us insight into this. And it says it this way when it's talking about good. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. God who is good. God who is love. Be imitators of this God. And then it says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. In, in darkness. At one time you were living dissipated. At one time you were living unanchored. At one time you were just living maybe just for yourself. But now you are in light, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. That's goodness. That's goodness. All that is good and right and true. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Do good. Be good. Be imitators of God who is good. Walk in light. Walk in love. And so produce goodness and blessing. It's doing something for the blessing of someone else. There's a friend of ours, and her name is Erin. And um, she was a school teacher. She taught in one of the roughest schools in a local inner city school district. The school was so rough that they installed metal detectors at the entrances of the school. Now, I don't know what kind of high school you went to, but um, the high school that I went to didn't install metal detectors at the gates, the entrances, where all the students would have to go through. Why would a school do that? A school would install metal detectors because they don't want students to bring weapons to school. And that's why they did that. That's why they did that. So Erin was teaching at this school. She taught ninth grade English, English literature to freshmen. That is just crazy. But her sense of what it means to be an imitator of God was to go into this place and to bring light and goodness and love to students living in one of the roughest situations that you could imagine. What she would do as part of her teaching, part of her love, part of the goodness which she brought to the classroom was that she would pray. She would pray for her students. And the way she would do that was she would walk among the rows of the desks thinking about which students were sitting in these seats at different times, in different periods, and she'd pray for them. Sometimes she would stop and sit down in one of the desks of one of her tougher students and particularly think of them and pray for them and intercede for them. Goodness. Goodness happening right there in that classroom. Now you might be thinking, what value would teaching English, freshman English, what value would that have to people that were living in such a 
rough situation. It's kind of almost like a warlike situation because you have to screen out for weapons. Actually, the reality of it is that all of us as humans actually every day live on the brink of such something even much more hazardous than what happens in that school. Because every day, every human being, all of us, live on this hazardous line between life and death. As humans, we actually live in a profound and very real spiritual reality where our lives are really in between the balance between heaven and between hell, between salvation in Jesus Christ and a life without Jesus Christ. We all live that way. Now, maybe we've kind of forgotten that because we live the day-to-day of, you know, all the errands and chores we have to do. We have to go to the store and do this, and I have to go to work and do that. I have to go and, and, you know, pick up this, and I have to take care of that. But the reality of all of human existence is that we, leave, we live between life and death. We live between light and darkness. We live between heaven and hell. And every day, we have this choice to live in goodness, to live in the light of Jesus Christ and a life that follows him. And so that is actually the secret about goodness, that we see the reality that we live every day in light of the goodness of the life that we have been given. Because the very life that we have on our planet is a gift of goodness. And we have a choice every day to live in that goodness. You know, I was thinking about this even in the life of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ modeled goodness. He modeled goodness. In the wedding at Canaan, he turned the water into wine and the people drank it and then it was gone. And someone could look at this miracle of Jesus, this first miracle that Jesus did, turning the water into wine, and say, you know, that seems kind of frivolous. Why would he do that? I mean, he did do the great miracle where he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And that has eternal effect. But why did Jesus even do these little miracles? Why would he turn water into wine? Seems kind of frivolous. I think Jesus did it because it was good. Because Jesus understood this idea of goodness. He blessed the wedding guests by turning water into wine when the wedding had run out. But he also did something else with that very frivolous miracle. He preserved the reputation of the host because it would have been so shameful for that host to run out of wine to serve all his guests. He preserved 
that host from embarrassment. So he made some water into wine for the sake of goodness, for the sake of blessing that host and blessing those guests. You know, if you look at the miracles of Jesus, a lot of them are just kind of frivolous. But when I look at it through the lens of goodness, wow, Jesus is just looking to bless other people. The feeding of the 5,000. Why did he do that? He did that because people were hungry and they needed something to eat. So he blessed them with food. Ivan was thinking about this, this, a bigger miracle, the miracle of Lazarus. And that's the miracle where Lazarus had died and they put him in the tomb. And then Jesus brought him out. He raised him up. He raised him up because there was such sorrow and sadness. And he blessed them. But I mean, if you think about that miracle of Lazarus, even that was temporary. Because actually after that, Lazarus died again. He actually died. He actually died twice. Now, I don't know. I don't know if he gets up to heaven and go, oh man, Jesus, dying was kind of a pain. Why'd you make me die twice? You could look at it and go, wow, that didn't have any lasting effect. But it was good because Jesus blessed them. Jesus blessed them. All right. You know, to be good doesn't mean you need to do something heroic. Sometimes people go, man, to do good, I really got to do a big thing. I got to do a great thing. I got to change the world. I got to do something big. But if you were here a couple of Sundays ago, I talked about maybe it's not so important to do something great but maybe it's more important to do something small with great love. And that's what I'm talking about with goodness. Instead of looking to do something super great, why don't you do something small and something good that would bless other people? Now, there's some things that I see that happen within GRX where people do that all the time. And so I'm going to embarrass a couple of people because I know you're engaged with goodness and I love seeing that goodness emerge in your life because it's so life-giving and it blesses other people. So I'm going to embarrass a couple of people here and call some people out. But uh, one of the things I love to see is, um, Nick, when you go and you work in the state parks, Nick goes and I don't know if you all know this. Actually, Nick is the poster child on the California State Gov website for volunteering. If you go there and want to volunteer, you can see Nick's picture. Nick goes and he serves. He goes and takes care of the parks. He goes and, and cleans up. He weeds plants that shouldn't be there. He takes care of the state park system. He's a volunteer among many volunteers so that all the rest of us can enjoy the goodness of the state parks. So that we can all enjoy the goodness and the beauty there. Because there's a group of volunteers that out of the goodness of their heart, they go and serve. It's goodness. 
and it creates fulfillment, and it creates contentment. There's a team of GRXers who are here, and they go out regularly to partner with City Team, which is a homeless ministry. And they go out and do that faithfully. And they serve food to homeless people who need a meal. And they also go and talk and listen to people who are homeless. And in that exchange, in that very human exchange of talking and listening to a person, to a homeless person, they bless and love that person. They affirm the humanity of that homeless person. So that homeless person isn't just an it who is on the street who is asking for a handout. By talking and listening and engaging with them, they renew and restore the humanity of this man or this woman. They bless them. What, do our GRX, what does our GRX team get out of doing that? What do they get out of serving out of the goodness of their heart. They get that they're imitators of God and they live in a deep kind of fulfillment and contentment. Now I know some people here, in your work life, you are also living in this goodness. You are actively looking for ways. Wow, God has placed me here in this company. How does God want me to be a witness to him and to his goodness in the place that he has placed me? I know there are people here who are praying. I know you're praying for your bosses. You're praying for your coworkers. You're praying for the people that directly report to you because you are being light and love in that place that God has placed you. I know other people that beyond the work setting, you are doing that in your homes. You are doing that in your families. You are doing that in your close relationships. You are being the goodness there. And when we are good and we seek the good of other people and bless them, you know this. You know that then we will find our fulfillment. So one of the things I want you to take home from today is be thinking about how can you be an agent of goodness wherever God has placed you? If you're a teacher, how can you be an agent of goodness in your classroom? If you work, how can you be an agent of God's goodness in your workplace? In your relationships, how can you be an agent of God's goodness in those places? And if you're kind of even wondering still, man, how do I think about goodness? What would be a litmus test for me for goodness? Let me close this message by pointing you towards Philippians. This is chapter four. This is another way to think about goodness. This is another way the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, I want you to practice these things. I sum up this list in terms of understanding this as the goodness that God wants us to practice. Paul writes this to the Christians here in the church in Philippi. He says, finally, brothers, it's brothers and sisters, actually. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. Practice this goodness. And the God of peace will be with you. Take a look at what you do. Is it good? Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it lovely and just? Are your actions pure? Are they commendable before other people? Is what you do worthy of praise and excellent? Practice these things. Live in goodness. And the God of peace will be with you. And you will find fulfillment and contentment in your life. Let me pray for us. And then we'll take communion together and celebrate the Lord's Supper. Lord Jesus Christ, I just thank you so much for the way that in our ways, individually and corporately, you call us as a church to follow you and to live lives that imitate our Heavenly Father. And what is that life? What is the life, God, that you modeled when you came on earth? God, I see that in that life you modeled goodness. You modeled holiness. You modeled truth. You modeled what is excellent. God, you modeled what is commendable. So God, I pray for us that you would help us to live in goodness. Not necessarily to do something heroic, but to do something good with the people right around us and in the places that you've placed us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.